doesn't say Hello and welcome to episode 34 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast that can't quite believe what has just happened. And uh, obviously I'm talking about uh, the fact that we all have to go back to work tomorrow. Some have had to work during the Christmas break, but for a lot of people it's back to work tomorrow. Uh, and in Bengals land, of course, uh, we're faced with uh, something very unusual and very strange. Some think it's very welcome. Some are very sad about it. Um, of course, Marvin Lewis, after 16 years, 16 years as Bengals coach, uh, has left the club by mutual consent. It, it seems to be, um, seems to have been a, a conscious uncoupling. And I think that's, you know, lots of people were saying, well, why doesn't Mike Brown get rid of him? He's not good enough. Fire him. Uh, but I think, I think, you know, out of respect and for the job he's done, that's initially quite a controversial comment for some of you. Uh, I think uh, Marvin did kind of earn the right, not necessarily to leave on his own terms, but um, not to be completely and utterly fired like uh, some people uh, have wanted him to be for the past several years or even the past 10 years, to be honest with you. And this is the crazy thing, isn't it? A lot of people will not have known the Bengals without Marvin Lewis as head coach. So it is a bit of a strange time. A lot of us do remember a time before Marvin Lewis, and it wasn't pretty, let me tell you. If you think this, these past two, three seasons haven't been pretty, uh, try 2-14, and 3-13 and 13, uh, for good measure. Um, however, we couldn't uh, not do a podcast. So it's New Year's Day. This I'm, I'm here in the sewing room all by my lonesome. Um, I can see Quality Street rappers uh, festooned across the floor big Christmas tree with its shining lights and uh, it is the kind of post-Christmas feeling, isn't it? But um, yeah, we're here to talk about Marvin because I think he deserves to be talked about both uh, constructively uh, and with some respect. That's my personal feeling. He deserve At this particular time, I think he deserves a lot of respect and certainly goodwill for whatever comes next in his career. Now, I said I was on my own in the sewing room, but it's not quite true because uh, Cincinnati wouldn't be Cincinnati without the New Year's to my resolution, the depressing feeling to my in January, the new to my head coach. It's Nathan Palmer, everybody. Nathan, are you there? I am indeed, Paul, live from Nuremberg in Germany. How are you? Yeah, Christmas? yeah, pretty good, thank you. How about you? Uh, happy New Year, man. Yeah, Happy New Year, buddy. Yeah, I'm good. Um, I feel a bit wrecked and <laughs> a bit worse for wear after the Christmas festivities, shall we say. But yeah, not too bad. Uh, how did you celebrate yours? You, how are you feeling? Uh, yeah, not too bad. I had a bit of a quiet one last night and... Um, yeah, just a pretty quiet Christmas, really. Uh, back with the family and New Year. I don't. You get to my age, to be honest with you, you just can't be asked to go out or do anything. So <laughs> last night, no, was, no crazy nights out in Kentish Town, no. No, no, I haven't actually been out of the house today, so I don't know what Kentish Town oh, is looking like. There's no suplexing for me on New Year's <laughs> Eve, like. Uh, well, I know. But, yeah, but you're in Nuremberg. You've grown well, up now. <laughs> well, yes, in some ways. <laughs> um, but. Uh, Nuremberg, how is that? It's all right. I mean, we were in, we were in Prague beforehand, which was unbelievable. If anyone hasn't been to Prague before, I recommend it. Cheap, good beer, 
great uh, architecture and scenery, really good place. N- Nuremberg's a bit quieter, sort of historic, quite nice. But yeah, I've basically just been in bed most of the day, nursing a pretty severe hangover. <laughs> <laughs> so talking about the Bengals is just about the perfect. You in your central Lon- uh, central London, central Europe jaunts. Uh, I think you should potentially. You and Joe Mixon should actually have your own travel travel show. I think around Europe on uh, me, and Joe, me and Joe Mixon on uh, also, on uh, fantastic getaways of Central Europe. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> or uh, as we're now yeah. going to refer to him, the AFC's leading rusher for 2018. Yeah, uh, you know so, he played well against Pittsburgh, didn't he? The Giga? I couldn't oh, really argue amazing. with that. Absolutely brilliant. But people don't really want to. You know, we can maybe talk about the Browns game and the and the and the Steelers game. Uh, a little bit later, but obviously, as I mentioned at the top, um, something happened yesterday in Cincinnati. I don't know whether you were expecting it. Uh, I was 50-50 on whether they were actually going to do it or not. Uh, I think everyone, yeah. uh, the majority of people kind of, I think, recognised that Marvin's time was up, but it was just whether Mike Brown was going to do it or Marvin would choose to do it. And yeah, the news broke in the UK at around what is it, two, three o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, yeah, I, I think most people were kind of quite, oh my god, they're actually going to do it, and that's it. Yeah, sixteen years. A lot of people only know the, you know, Marvin as head coach of the Bengals. Only know the Bengals with Marvin as head coach, rather. So it's it was kind yeah. of it's a surprise, maybe a little bit surreal, maybe. Uh, yeah. And for me, a little bit I, sad I, as I well. Think, yeah, I think I'm with you on the 50-50. I think I tweeted out just before it that I did think that he would go, but I think that was almost more... I don't know, I had a sort of a gut feeling that enough might have been enough. I think what really contributed to it, I think, was the fans walking out of the stadium and leaving Paul Brown at 40,000 or less. Yeah. I think when something like that happens, the ownership really have to look at themselves because... Even, you know, whatever moves you make in the, you know, free agency in the off-season, I think if you keep Marvin going for another year, that opening day game, you're going to get similar attendance. And it looks really bad around the league. Yeah. Um, and I think fans have seen it all before. I mean, we started off 4-2 and two this season and looked quite promising and looked quite good. And then it fell away. So I think even if next season with Marvin you were to start well and start strong, I still think that resentment and that sort of bitterness from the fans... Um, would creep over. I think Mike Brown realised that. And I think, you know, 16 years is a hell of a long time. I mean, I've been supporting the Bengals since, I think, 2004 and have only known Marvin. So I think, you know, it got a bit stale the last three years, especially. I think, you know, you can't really have three losing seasons as a coach and really expect to keep going. So, you know, I think it's probably the right thing, probably the right time. But I think I agree with you. It's a sad time, you know. Yeah, and watching that press conference, um, I think, I don't know, I, I yesterday, uh, you know, I, I kind of man the um, the Bengals UK Twitter feed as well, and I, 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 I told myself, I'm not, you know, there's plenty of people saying, good riddance, off you go, son, you know, don't care. But, but I, You're on your bike, boy. On your bike, you know, we don't care. But I, I, I wanted to be positive yesterday because I think he deserves that respect. I was only trying to... Po- tweet out lots of positive kind of uh, comments and thank yous and because whatever you think of him that that fella put in a lot of hard work and oh 100% you know the the way he turned that club around 
from the uh, you know the debacle of the nineties. Certainly, at, at the start of the two thousand. I don't think a lot of people realise that. No, as well. that's right. Absolutely, we were a two and fourteen team. We had not gone to the yeah. playoffs for fifteen years. No, yeah, it would have been fifteen yeah. years. Um, he yeah. came in as a hot, you know, Super Bowl winning defensive coordinator, and pretty much overnight yeah. Yeah. turned the culture around. And uh, for that, yeah. he has to be. And you know, in you know, f- f- say two thousand five, two thousand fifteen. You know, they were they were his teams that could have gone all the way if it wasn't for just, you know, freak crazy injuries, you know. Uh he got yeah. to the playoffs seven times, five times in a row, which is like a franchise record. Uh he won NFL Coach of the Year in uh two thousand nine. That was another great season, the the cardiac cat season. Um Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, he won four AFC North titles 131 career victories we obviously mentioned the seven postseason appearances his coaching tree five former assistants have gone so you know you really i think we've spoken about it success in the nfl is always judged by you know a super bowl win what have you done for me lately what have you done for me lately but i do think marvin's uh uh body of work deserves a much more objective and closer scrutiny, really, because the Ameri- yeah. you know, the NFL only one Pierce person can uh, can win the Super Bowl. One person, one one team can win the Super Bowl, and that's like massively hard to do. Um, yeah, and you look at all the other teams that have not made the playoffs in the past fifteen years since he's been head coach, and there are quite a few of them. So Marvin has kept us relevant. And of course, the always yeah. the comeback is going to be the playoff, the, the zero playoff victories. But I do think he deserves a lot of respect uh, for for his achievements because there have been achievements. I think you've got to look at the Bengals as well. I think you hit the nail on the head with that point. But I think you've got to look at what Marvin's working with as well. I mean, you know, the NFL try and keep things on a level playing field with the you know the draft ordering and the salary caps and everything else. But Marvin's working in probably. Well, arguably the smallest market in the NFL with an owner like Mike Brown, who ultimately has sign off on personnel decisions and, you know, what they're doing in free agency. You know, he's not had the luxury of, you know, sort of even the someone in Cleveland that's willing to just say, look, you take the team over, like do what you want with it, you know, go out there, hire a GM, you know, hire and fire, do this and that. He's had a really difficult situation to work with. You know, the Bengals haven't got an indoor practice facility. They're way behind the times with the hiring of scouts and, you know, pushing out their personnel department and I think he's really orchestrated a lot of change during the culture of the team you know over that his period of 16 years moved the franchise forward when like you said in the past for those all those years before him the Bengals were the Cleveland Browns the NFL I mean they were laughing stock they were winning like you said two three four games a season I think for him to come in walk away after 16 seasons with an above 500 record Four division titles in a division that arguably has been the strongest in the NFL. You know, looking at, you know, how could Baltimore have won? They've won a, won a Super Bowl during that time. Pittsburgh have won a Super Bowl during that time. Some really good teams with some, you know, Hall of Fame players on them that, you know, he's had success against, especially against the Ravens. So I think you really have to commend the job he's done. He's made the Bengals relevant. He had some excellent seasons. He's won some big games. He's, you know, played exciting football. There's been really good games, including this year that we've won, you know, the game in Atlanta. Mm. So I really do think that he has to get some serious plaudits for that. And, you know, it's exciting. We're getting a new head coach. It really is. And we can move on to that, I guess, now. But 
that new head coach, I mean, just for any team when you bring a head coach in, I mean, if you look at that, I think I was reading an article today about the 2016 coaching hire and Doug Pedersen's the only geezer left going. So there's no guarantee you bring a new guy in, some young guy that you try and, you know, think's going to be Sean McVay. This guy could come in and the Bengals could win, you know, two, three, four games in a row for three seasons and go back to being completely, you know, a complete laughing stock. So you've got to be careful what you wish for, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's interesting, isn't it? Because we'll get to kind of head coaching uh, kind of, um, you know, um, candidates a bit later. Um but uh, the last, per- you know, everyone wants, to- everyone wants the new Sean McVay, don't they? Really, he's done a great job in in, yeah. in Los Angeles. He's young, super young, super energy about him. Um, everyone yeah, wants, yeah. everyone wants that new young coach. The last time the Bengals wa- uh, went for a super young coach uh, who was like the talk of the town, an offensive guy, was Dave Shuler. Uh, and if you've never heard of Dave Shuler, go and uh, Google that and see how that happened. So it, you're right, it can work both ways. But equally, yeah, you're also right. You've got to, It's the look of the draw, isn't it? You've got to select well. You've got to do your yep. due diligence and take your time. And and I have to say, the Bengals seem to be doing that, and they're casting their net uh, not necessarily far and wide, but a lot wider than, uh, than people perhaps thought. So let's 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 carry on with Marvin because we've got a lot of correspondence from our uh, go on Marvin from our guys uh, and it's only right. Um, uh, so thank you to everyone who's uh, posted messages uh, on Facebook and our Twitter feed at today underscore UK. Let's kick off with the ugly game at ugly game. There's a pretty decent chance that Marvin Lewis will pre- prove to be the reverse Jeff Fisher and that his reputation will be enhanced with every passing year he doesn't coach the Bengals. It was time for a change, but there's still a fair likelihood things will get worse. As kind of mirrors that's what you're point. saying. I think that's a very reasonable point. Dave Stewart at Bengals Stewart. Let's give proper props to Marvin. It was time for him to go, but he brought more light to the team than darkness. Here, here. Killian at Malloy underscore double zero have huge respect for Marvin. It was time for change. Excited for the future, just as long it's not with Hugh Jackson. Marvin said that Hugh is more than qualified, but doesn't mean good enough. Uh, Susie Gay at Karen Sue Gay. Hi, Karen. I think the world of him, and I am really going to miss him. Uh, Nick Parker, Kent Aww. Care. Yeah, that was really nice. Uh, at Kent Care, Nick. Thanks, Marvin. Bengals became better team because of your influence. Made it easier being a Bengals fan in the UK when we won from time to time. Uh, much stress, but often joy. Always drama, good and bad. Having a good man as a coach helps. Above all, Marvin Lewis was a good man. Here, here. That's true. Uh, Tony Torrance at Tony Torra. Um, for 35 years, a Bengal fan, from the dark days of 3-13 and 13 and 4-12 and 12, to the heady days of Lewis and playoff games, new coach must have gravitas uh, with, uh, and... Mm, no, that doesn't make sense, but yes, he must have gravitas. Oliver Almond at Dragonics. Um, solid handle. I think so. That's the first solid handle of the new year, I think. Um, um, I appreciate... This is quite a long one. Oliver got on a bit of a rant here. And, but, you know, a fair, fair rant. I appreciate he's lost his nut. He's lost his nut on New Year's Day. Uh, it doesn't bode well for the rest of the year, does it, really? <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I appreciate everything he did. He got us from being in the gutter and a joke of a franchise. But there's a saying of sometimes you overstay your welcome. And that's what Lewis unfortunately did. He could never push us to the upper echelon. Should have gone when that was apparent. We were waiting. Uh, yes. Um, and yeah, I think that's true. I mean, I mean, he could have gone at the end of 2015. He perhaps should have gone at the end of last year. He perhaps should have gone, you know, um, you know, when we hit 4-12 and 12 in Palmer's last season. But there's been a few reboots, you know. The, the successful reboot with Andy Dalton and AJ Green was obviously quite significant and we built another AFC North winning team. And if it wasn't for injury, perhaps even a Super Bowl t- team in 2015, you know. So the reboots have worked. Yeah, yeah. He did a good job. Uh, but ultimately, I think that the, the, the theme is that it was his time to go, but people are sad about it. I think I think there's a good point about what he did that year. I think that's something because of the record and because of the you know the failings in the wild card game that gets overlooked was how well he did to turn around. You know, Carson Palmer basically said, "Look, I'm walking away here. I've had enough." And you know, a lot of that, m- most of that, was Carson Palmer's frustration with Mike Brown. Um, and Marvin Lewis basically was peacekeeper in the middle of that. They let go of Palmer. He didn't have a starting quarterback. They drafted Andy Dalton, who was not like, you know, they didn't get him in the top 10 or anything like that. I mean, he's a round two quarterback they got. Mm. You know, they took AJ Green and he took a team that a load of media outlets literally were saying, I don't think the Bengals are going to win a game. There was people that came out and said they are going to win not one game. They're going to be 0-16. That's them. And if you looked at the Bengals on paper, they were a 4-12 and team the year before. Their, their franchise quarterbacks just left them. You've got a rookie, you know, second round pick starting, you know, day one start, didn't let him rest or do anything else. Same with AJ Green. And these guys have just gone out and, you know, made the playoffs. It's an unbelievable achievement from a head Absolutely. coach to get those guys playing at that level, to coach them up and to get them to the playoffs like that. And to me, that's one of his biggest achievements. 100%. Um, absolutely. And you, you look at the players that Marvin's had during his time there. I mean, Right from the early days, you know, from Takeo Spikes, uh, you know, uh, John Kitner, Peter Warwick. Didn't quite work out, but he flashed. And then, of course, the the Chad uh, and Carson Years and Hushman Zada uh, and all yeah. those, Justin Smith and all those guys. Uh, really excited. Rudy Johnson and then through to sort of Cedric yeah, yeah. Benson and... And then Andy, the Andy Dalton era with AJ and, and, and Marvin Jones and then Gino and Carlos and, you know, Reggie Pro, Nelson. Potential Hall of Fame players in there, you know. Hall of Fame players two, knocking around. Two incredible tackles. Well. Uh, Willie Anderson, who was on the, the long list for yeah, yeah. the Hall of Fame this year. And obviously Chad was in there as well. And then uh, right through to Andrew Whitworth, you know. He's had some, he's, yeah, you know, yeah. there's been some tremendous players uh, at the club. Um but of course, we didn't didn't quite do it. We were one of those teams that I think were fun to watch, um, but didn't quite do it. And that's I think he said in his press conference, you know, which was an emotional press conference yesterday. Um, that's his sort of biggest regret that he couldn't deliver a championship to uh, to the club. You know, I think I think what was really interesting in that press conference was that he was asked the question something along the lines of, "Were you given enough to win?" And his answer to that was very sort of cloak and dagger. He very much just said, I did everything I could. And I think, I think he would have been, I mean, a lot of people have come out and said, you know, 
um, ex-personnel members from the team and stuff like that have come out and said that, you know, Marvin Lewis really did change Mike Brown's sort of outlook on things and really sort of was able to twist his wrist on a few things. But I think if Marvin Lewis had had full control of that team and it had been all him and he was making all of the decisions, I really think that things could have been a lot different. And I give credit for Marvin Lewis. I think not only just looking at the wins and losses and the you know the no playoff wins and all stats like that, you have to look at the what he was working with. I mean, like I said, Mike Brown might be, might be one of the most difficult, you know, sort of conservative owners in the NFL. And I think for Marvin to deliver the success that he had through fairly frugal um, spending and sort of conservative personnel decisions. It's a real credit to to him for being able to do that. And that's why, you know, if I was a new head coaching candidate and, you know, I was Josh McDaniels or someone like that, and I was looking around the NFL owners and what they were offering me, I just don't think Cincinnati is going to be that appealing, not through what you've got on the roster, because I think we've got a talented team that you'd be taking over, but just in terms of, you know, day-to-day control over the team and personnel decisions and just generally do you want Mike Brown to be your boss do you want to report into him every day and you know have all these chats with him it's a very difficult working relationship and the respected guy Marvin was and the nice man that he was he was able to sort of get the best out of that relationship but I question if someone like Josh McDaniels and Mike Brown would work well I, I part of me really doesn't think that it would well it's interesting with Mike Brown um because I do wonder whether, certainly in the early days, Mike was very hands-on and he had a very particular way, that, very old-school way that he obviously picked up from his dad. Um, and he was a very stubborn, conservative guy, as you say. He had a particularly a particular way of going about things. But I do, like you know, like you were mentioning, I do, I do wonder how much control he, he kind of, has now because you know obviously Troy and Katie pretty much run run it day to day uh, and they're obviously a bit more forward thinking than Mike but uh yeah I don't know I don't know whether that whole kind of Mike Brown as kind of overseeing kind of you know decision making guy is is uh, how much of that is actually true at this moment in time and uh, yeah. Well, you look, uh, who knows? You, look, you look pre-Marvin. I mean, you know, you talk about Marvin's record of no playoff wins in 16 years. I mean, Mike Brown has been team president for 28 years. Yeah. And there's no playoff wins. And, you know, if you look at his, his record, it's significant losing record. And, you know, for me, that, I mean, you don't judge owners on their win-loss record. You just uh, judge coaches and, you know, potentially rightly so. But a lot of these owners, especially an owner like Mike Brown that refuses to really hire a sort of quote-unquote general manager you know, a lot of these general managers get fired with terrible records and, you know, they get a lot of scrutiny from the press. Whereas Mike Brown, not that he goes under the radar, but to me, I would say Mike Brown is a far bigger problem than Marvin Lewis was. Marvin Lewis will take the brunt of it. He's the, you know, the the face of the franchise. He stands up there at the podium after every game and, you know, takes the heat from the fans. But, you know, Mike Brown, it just can't be a lot of questions asked there if you're, if you're saying to me. I mean, like letting Andrew Whitworth go really highlights that. Marvin Jones potentially as well. I mean, there's been a, a lot of decisions, you know, the conservativeness and the draft approach of never going up and down or being too aggressive. And, you know, to me, I think that's, you know, I'm excited that Marvin's gone. I think everyone knew that it was time for a change. I don't think anyone would have sat there really and said, you know, what, we should keep Marvin and just keep going and keep going. But, it does really worry me that I don't think we've really fully addressed the actual problem. 
Well, we'll see. Um, if Mike Brown's listening, we do love you, Mike, honestly. Um, but, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, um, I was listening to... This is how I spent my early part of the New Year's Eve. I was listening to the Dave Lapham and Lance McAllister show because they were streaming that live on the Bengals uh, website yesterday uh, at about five, six o'clock in the evening. And um, Dave Lapham made a really good point. Uh we talk about the fact that Marvin hasn't won a playoff game, but the Bengals have only gone farther than the first round of the playoffs twice in their 51-year history, and that is the that's two crazy, times they went. They, 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 that's the two times they went to the Super Bowl. So I do think that puts things into perspective. Um, I hate to say it, but we haven't got a great record at getting to the playoffs, and never no, had. No. We've had some fantastic players fantastic teams but when you look at that record and consider it and then compare it to the record of Marvin getting into into the playoffs like five years in a row that was incredible that was a fun time to yeah, be a Bengals yeah. fan and of course I'm, I'm not saying that Marvin's time wasn't now it was I think everyone's agreed on that but all I'm saying is that I think his achievements deserve to be viewed in perspective um so, yeah, yeah. Uh, we've got a few more correspondence. I'm going to read this out from um, Catherine Terrell, the ESPN uh, Bengals beat writer. She's been on this show before. Uh, and it just illustrates, uh, you know, the different side to to this whole business. And that's the human element to it. And uh, if anybody follows Kat on, on Twitter, she's been quite open about the fact that her father died quite recently. I think it was last year. and um, And she tweeted... Uh, we were waiting for him when Lewis got out of practice and before he said anything, he walked up and gave me a hug. He understood because he had lost a father too. I always thought that moment said a lot about him because many coaches don't have time to care about these things. And of course, you know, we can talk about his foundation. Apparently, you know, it was one of the biggest foundation in in the NFL and, and, and put so many kids through college. So, you know, it's there's no kind of, you know, doubt that Marmon was a good guy really well I think as well I mean one 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 thing that really stood out was the the work that he did with the players and helping them set up their own communities and you know you look at the work Carlos Dunlap's done and how you know some of the other people within the team that have really you know seen Marvin as sort of a father figure and you know I, I just think that as a guy you won't find many better and I think for me as a fan I've always rooted for the good guy and you know, I really would have loved to have seen Marvin sort of get that, you know, the monkey off his back with that playoff win and hopefully go further. So it's a real shame. I mean, when I saw the news yesterday, I, I genuinely had a quite a feeling of sort of like, oh, no, like a bit of sadness mm. rather than any excitement. And, you know, if we get a new young, fun head coach that wins a lot of games, it'll all be worth it. But, you know, I've got so much respect for Marvin and all that he's done. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we got a lot of positive messages on Twitter yesterday, a lot of positive opinion and we've got you know the odd person like Stu Davis who's who's a great guy at Stu Davis um he tweeted out today can someone explain all these rose-tinted spectacle views of Marvin Lewis now he's fired he was a failure who we've all wanted gone for years like he was the only guy who could have got us out of the 90s debacle can we not remember his playoff record and I sort of fired back at him and you know gave him some stats and Stu came out and said but We've won nothing, not one single playoff game at least. It's a results business and he's failed at every level. He should have had the balls to walk away after the 2015 playoff debacle. He's taken the franchise backwards over the last five years and been happy to do it. 
Um, there you go. I mean, I, I mean, think the point about he's the only, not the only guy that could have done it is a fair point. But I would also sort of say, well, you, you, like you mentioned earlier about the Bengals and their history, not many people have been able to do it, you know, working within that city in that environment. So I think for being the first guy to ever do that is a huge achievement um, and make the Bengals relevant again. And I think the NFL, you know, a lot of people just want to win every year. They just think that, you know, their team is almost like, you know, has the right to sort of win the Super yeah, Bowl every yeah, year. And it's a tough business, the NFL, especially when you've got a frugal owner and a small market. You, you know, I know the NFL's got the salary cap and it has a draft system, so you should always be competitive and you always have a chance every year. It's not necessarily like, you know, like baseball is, but... You know, I think you just got to give Marvin credit. No, he wasn't an absolutely unbelievable coach. And, you know, he's not Bill Belichick. He doesn't have sort of a crazy legacy that's going to be left behind. But I think you have to acknowledge that he was an above average coach. He left his team above 500. He won some division titles against, you know, some very good Pittsburgh and Baltimore teams. So, I, you know, I think a lot of credit has to be given to him. And to the very end, a lot of those players in the locker room, they had his back. They wanted him there. You know, they, they had a lot of respect for him. And for a team that's struggling, you know, that's a rare thing. So I, I think you have to give credit to him. I think calling him a loser is extremely harsh. I mean, you know, he's won a Super Bowl. I think he's won two. I think he won when he was on uh, the Pittsburgh yeah, coaching right. staff. So, you know, I don't. I think that's a harsh label to put on someone with a winning record. Um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm afraid I... D- a couple I, of times I, and, I disagree massively. I, disagree, I agree with some things that Stu said, but... The fact that he's failed at every level, absolutely, of course he hasn't. He's not failed at every yeah, level exactly. at all. Uh, he's taken the franchise backwards over the last five years and been happy to do it. I mean, what, I, I just don't understand that comment, to be honest with you. Uh, obviously, Stu's not here to kind of uh, write a reply, but I, yeah, I don't understand that attitude, and that attitude seems to be prevalent in quite a f- uh, you know, the majority seems to be respectful. Uh, then you've got some people, as I say, like Stu, who's like, no, come on, stop this sentimental, lacrimose nonsense. And kind of, he yeah. was he was awful. And I don't think he was awful. I really don't think he was awful. Now, I had my issues with Marvin. Uh, some of the, you know, we've talked about it on the podcast, probably, you know, not the right time to do it now, but... It's kind of, I have my own issues, and I think, you know, some of the playoff games are just excruciating, but you look at the playoff losses, you know, we were, you know, half injured against the Colts, um, you know, we lost yeah. fair and square to a better team against the Texans, um, Yeah. You know, the, you know, we almost pulled off a miracle against a good Pittsburgh team with a backup quarterback. With a backup, yeah. Exactly. And really, we should have done. We I should think, have done. But the I only game well, that I, mean, I was I, gutted I, I, was the San Diego game. That was the one, I think, that, yeah, I agree with that. that was for the taking. And I had real issues with the game planning and the uh, you know the kind of strategy during that game. I had real issues with that. And, you know, that's, that's kind of on the coaching staff. Yeah, I think as well. I mean, I hate to use luck. I don't think anyone, you know, because you can apply luck to almost anything. And I just don't want to use it but I will use it and you know you look at that (laughs) Pittsburgh playoff game when you know the Bengals had rallied from behind with a backup quarterback in AJ McCarron who we all know now you know from years that have gone by is not a starting caliber quarterback like we thought he might have been back then and we rallied that from behind in tough conditions you know and took the lead and I Marvin you know he can't you can't put him as responsible for Jeremy Hill fumbling that ball 
you know, if Jeremy Hill holds on to that ball and the Bengals run it up a few times, kick a field goal, you'd say in all likelihood that's done. And you also, you know, when the Steelers were driving, you know, after Jeremy Hill had fumbled, they faced a fourth down and yeah. three on that drive within their own half. Now, if Ben Roethlisberger, I think he threw it to Antonio Brown and caught it. If Antonio Brown drops that ball and it's that's it, turnover on downs, the game's over. You know, Marvin Lewis won that playoff game. He gets the monkey off his back. He's, you know, a huge winner. Probably, arguably, one of the biggest wins in the franchise's history. Moves on to the next round of the playoffs with a very talented team. You know, I don't know. I know Dalton was down, but still a very talented team that could have gone further. Mm. And I just, I do look at that and you think that was out of his control. And I, I don't want to use the luck element, but so was Palmer going down in that game against the Steelers. And we were better than the Steelers that year, much better than them. And if you know, if he'd stayed in that game and John Kittner hadn't come in, I really think that we could, you know, we probably would have won that game. And the same with Dalton going down like he did in the, you know, that the season, you know, that we were just talking about. If he starts that game, not McCarron, again, I think we'd probably win that game fairly comfortably. So it's really tough. I mean, you know, rarely do you see quarterbacks go down, especially when teams are really sort of on the up. And I think for Marvin, he's got to look, even this year, where we had a chance and then Dalton went down, you know, and just, it's not much you can do, but it's just frustrating, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And um, there's a lot of ifs and buts, as you know, Marvin's been far from perfect. But we're here on this New Year's Day, this first day of 2019. With We have no idea what's in store for the Bengals, who, who's going to be in that hot seat in a couple of weeks' time, because I think it will be a couple of weeks until we uh, find out who's going to be the next head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. Um so we thought, you know, it's it's all about celebrating Marvin. If you don't like it, you can go off and watch something else or listen to something else. Uh, but I, again, I think it's don't, worth... Don't you be so threatening. Don't you be so threatening on New Year's Day. I know, right? This is the new me, Nathan. I ain't going to take no <laughs> New Year, new you. His heart in every line. Uh, so yeah, we we um, we asked, put it out there. What are your favourite Marvin moments? And um, yes, and we had some uh, responses again. Uh, really good response. Uh, so let's go through them. D Moose at D Moose uh, on Twitter. That 2003 statement game win against the nine and Chief Chiefs. Uh, not just one chief, but all of the chiefs. Tears were shed that day, the same tears that would have been shed had they held on to beat Pittsburgh in the 2015 playoff game. Not sure if I have any of those yeah. tears left in me. Oh, D Moose, you were doing so well, and then you went, you went. Come on, there's plenty of tears left he in you. Son. He did, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I actually, I think that's probably one of the great moments, isn't it? Because it was, it signified that uh, something was happening in Cincinnati after it was like a, a, a dormant volcano suddenly erupting orange and black lava yeah. over, over everyone's faces. And, um, <laughs> and, you know, that game, you know, the Chiefs came into town 9-0 and and the Bengals, like, kind of did it. And then, of course, the, the 2004 season, there was lots of great stuff that happened there. And it built up to the 2005 season. And that was like peak Ocho, well, Peak Chad Johnson and Peak Hoosh, Peak Palmer. Um, 
It was it was it was an exciting time to be a Bengals fan after so long. Yeah, of really great offense, really exciting offense. Absolutely, uh, Jess Conley at Jess Ellis Conley. Happy New Year to you, to Jess. Uh, uh, hard to pick a single moment. As a child, I went to public school in Cincinnati. The Marvin Lewis uh, Foundation takes kids to the Cincinnati Zoo when they get uh, an A or B honor roll twice in one year. Uh, she provided a graph uh, to show the grades have improved since starting his program, uh, and he's also given plenty of uh, college scholarships as well. And she also adds uh, my favourite Peggy Lewis moment because, of course, this is the human side again uh, uh, of the merry-go-round of the NFL. You know, like the eight head coaches are out of a job and there's going to be lots of assistants and coordinators out of a job and of course they have families and they've got to move around and yes they earn a load of money and they can do it much easier than you and I can but there is that kind of human side to losing your job isn't there and and of course yeah, next to every coach uh, mostly there's a partner who has to put it with loads of crap over the years and Marvin's partner is Peggy Lewis and uh, Jess said she respectfully yet completely shut down a stupid drunk lady at Chalk Talk who kept asking questions about player conduct. She is an amazingly feisty lady. I don't know what Chalk Talk is, but thanks for the, uh, that, Jess. Um, <laughs> David Stewart. But shout out to Peggy. I think, yeah, shout out to, to Peggy. David Stewart at Bengal Stewart. Uh, the 2005 Detroit in December at Ford Field. I was there to watch them clinch the AFC North again. Uh, that, that was a terrific year for the club, wasn't it? Uh, Jeff Lewis at Dayton Flyer, 2009, going 8-0 to start 2015 was my favourite memory. And of course, that sent, or oh, sorry, that set a new franchise record for, for games unbeaten and the start. It was 8-0 and goodness me, we were flying. And I'd, I'd also add that that Seattle game from that 2015 um, yeah. was absolutely a fantastic game, fantastic comeback. Um, Chris Hood at uh, Hooday CP. He bought hope. That was worth a huge amount after the 90s. And so not one specific moment, but a general uh, concept he brought to the club. Oliver Alman again uh, at Dragonics. He's, he's on it. He's Oliver. Uh, the 2000... That's a solid handle right there. It is. He's, yeah, he's, 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 he's backing up his solid handle with some solid tweets as well. 2009 Cardiac Cat season with the couple of last gas victories in the regular season. Amazing feeling when we pulled off the wins, though, at the time, not sure if my nerves were going to hold out. And, yeah, that was a crazy season, that that Cardiac Cats. Good great wins there. And that was the season, of course, Marvin won the NFL Coach of the Year. Uh, captain yeah. Obvious at Bengals Captain. Hello, Jeremy. Happy New Year. Uh, mine were his time and patience explaining everything to fans in the film room. Had some amazing conversation with, with him about things that the media analyst fans got wrong. And, of course, you know, he does hold these kind of fan group meetings from time to time. Oh, to be in one of them, because he goes through film. He talks through what's what. And um, and this is the thing. When people kind of say, oh, Marvin should move upstairs to be general manager, I never saw Marvin as a as a general manager. I just, he's not that kind of businessman-y type. I think he's a... He's a he's a he's a he's a coach born and bred coach in his DNA and he loves coaching and the fact good that good with he, people wasn't he good with people well good with players you know not so good with maybe the media yeah. but um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah I think I think that's interesting um, Steve in Kenwood at Steve in Kenwood uh, the day he started 
solid handle, isn't it? Well, it's, it's, say what you see. Well, it's, it does exactly <laughs> what it says on the tin, doesn't it, Steve? I wonder where he's from. Yeah, I'm not he, sure. He's at Ron Seal. Well, yeah, it should be at Ron Seal, Steve, really, shouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the day he started, we stopped being a joke and became legit. Well, yeah, in some years we were, um, I think, Steve, in Kenwood. Uh, VB at Von Blade. Happy New Year, Vonnie. Uh, Solid handle. That moment when the ball was deep in the air to Slim, Chris Henry, and he caught it, demonstrating a genuine chance to win it all, which, of course, was followed by the camera panning back to a stricken Palmer, but we won't discuss that. Honourable mentions uh, to making the Chiefs 9-1 and one in that 2003 season, as we mentioned, umpteen straight 10-win seasons, and finally getting rid of Paul Alexander. Um, <laughs> there's still not a lot of love out there for Paul Alexander. Jamie A at Trequart Beaster Chiefs in 03 Steelers away 05 that was a good game definitely uh, Steelers 09 Seahawks in 15 um, again some cracking games um, Dave Wellman at Dave... Atlanta this year as well well I would add and I would add that Atlanta game and that was just a phenomenal game wasn't it I mean anyway. yeah fantastic uh, Dave Wellman at Dave Wellman B. Happy New Year, Dave. Palmer's epic comeback in Baltimore in 2004. Good shout. Um, and Sam Anger at Sam underscore Anger. Despite it being somewhat illegal, when he f- threw the flag for having 12 men on the field against the Bucks and helped us win the game, I was down and out of that game. That was a, that was clever, that was. And when that happened, my mood change and it's that you know there's little things not necessarily the games or the victories but the little things and you know marvin had a bit of a, <laughs> bit of a shocking record when it came to kind of uh you know throwing the flag in and stuff but uh and of course game management that's another not but no no we're being positive about marvin tonight um yeah so it's those little things isn't it really i think what do you the future holds for marvin it's a good shout i mean he's uh um He's he's already said he wants to carry on um, coaching, and there's there's talk that you know he's got family in um, in uh, Arizona, and of course there is a, uh, a coaching head coaching spot open in Arizona at the moment. So I mean, it's, obviously it's a lot more difficult than that when you kind of just say, look, hey, I've got family in Arizona, I've got a house in Arizona, so why don't I be head coach? <laughs> you know, that, that's not going to get you a job, but you know, there's a I don't know. Don't know. There's a chance that. Um... Well, I think the Cardinals. Like there was some sort of rumor that they were interested in him last year, weren't they? I think that they were having to think about it and stuff. I I think it would be fascinating to see him coach another team. I mean, it would very much be like seeing your ex with another woman, um, with another man. <laughs> yeah, man or woman, you know. Uh... Uh... <laughs> but um, it would like yeah, it'd be like seeing your ex with another man, but. I, it would be fascinating, you know, without the constraints of Mike Brown to see what he could do and, you know, to see how he would perform. I, I think the problem for Marvin, and I, this sounds bad, is I think he's been coaching for a long time. And I think, you know, that's why I think a lot of people were so sort of excited about someone like Sean McVay or mm. a young coach with new ideas. You do think that potentially after 16 years of coaching and doing the same thing, that it might need a fresh approach, you know, a new, a new sort of younger guy with, new ideas you know you wonder if Marvin's sort of coaching style has potentially aged a little bit and he yeah. wouldn't necessarily uh, necessarily be able to translate that but you know I, I would it would be very interesting to see him coaching I, th- I think there was even a rumor that came out on Twitter that 
he might even have options, you know, from the media side of things, for like TV, I, a bit I like can't. Bruce Arians has done. Can you but, see Marvin? Well, is a, can you see Marvin as an analyst? I, I really don't think so. Um, no, but you I can't really. You know, but you know I mean? It was tweeted though. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I think this might be. I mean, I do think he looked absolutely knackered this season. He looked a tired. Yeah, man. I agree. And in in one, that's one of the reasons why I'm kind of happy that he's kind of, you know, they they've decided to call it quits because I think he needs a break for a little while, um, just to get his mojo. He needs but- to go on a cruise to Giza, doesn't he? <laughs> he needs to go on one of those Caribbean cruises. Him and Peggy on the cruise. Him and Peggy on a saga cruise around the Caribbean or something. Actually, that sounds amazing, to be honest. But, we should do a GoFundMe for Marvin and Peggy to go on a nice cruise. I don't think you'd get much, to be honest with you. Um, but, yeah, I reckon what, you would. I reckon you'd get a few hundred. Marvin and Peggy, we're going to start... Uh, we're going to start a campaign to get you on that cruise. Um. <laughs> he needs a cruise to Giza, doesn't he? He needs to be like serve eggs Benedict every morning and go for a little walk around the ship and then get off one of the islands, have a bit of a sunbathe. Yeah. You know, have a nice dinner laid on, three-course dinner in the evening, you know. Bit of a, good, bit of a, li- a live, bottle of wine. Live band and maybe comedian in the evening for entertainment on board. <laughs> maybe, exactly, mate. And maybe then maybe it- fairly early, in bed by about half eleven. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, absolutely. Actually, that sounds really. I wouldn't mind a piece of that, to be honest. But um, um, I'll add in another game: the uh, the game from two thousand four, the fifty eight forty eight win against Cleveland in Cleveland. That was always good, because I do feel actually there is a real rivalry bubbling between the Browns and the Bengals yet again, and uh, we haven't yeah, spoken about the games. Um, obviously, the best team won. Uh, uh, against you know the Browns versus the Bengals, the best team absolutely won. We were appalling that first half, I have to say. Um, but it's Baker Mayfield again, isn't it? And um, I I think he needs to grow up. Um, but you know, I guess if he was on your team, showboating like that and staring down uh, a coach who's given you your first opportunity in the NFL on the other sideline. Uh, you'd maybe like that, maybe you like that swagger, that confidence, that uh, aggression. Uh, but I think he's a penis, to be honest with you. So uh, what do you think, Nathan? <laughs> I, I, I do like it. I think it's exciting. The NFL is an entertainment league. I think, you know, Vontez Burfick's been, he's done a lot worse than what Mayfield's done and we all laugh about it and, you know, quite like him. He is that player that you want on your team, really. But I think the only thing I would say about Mayfield is he's got he's gone and put a target on his back. I think there's going to be some players that want to get a piece of him, and I don't think that's always a great idea. Also, the press when you do that, the press love it; they get some headlines out of it. Mm. But they love building you up, and then they love chopping you down. So, I, I think for him, he's playing a dangerous game by doing that. I think you know if you're very respectful and you're a Drew Brees, you know people leave you alone a bit; they respect you. They you know, give you your dues. But I think someone like Mayfield, it's exciting, it's fun. But, you know, the second he steps out of line, he, you know, gets a DUI or he, he goes and, you know, gets beat in the last second and he goes off at a coach or something, they're going to be right there giving him so much stick and so much pressure. So be careful what you build. And and uh, I think my point is he doesn't need to do that because he's playing great. He's He looks like a great yeah. player. and. You know, we have to watch out because Cleveland are obviously building something. They've got an absolute ton of cap space next year. They've got high draft picks. 
who's to say that they're not going to absolutely take that division over? I think it's there for the taking if you're looking at it objectively. I think, you know, there's trouble brewing in Pittsburgh at the moment. Uh, Antonio yeah, Brown is struggling, which is hilarious. Uh, the Ravens are the Ravens. Uh, they've done very well, actually, I think, to get where they've got to. But they've taken a chance. With... I just don't think Lamar Jackson's a long-term answer there. I think that he's doing all right. But I think teams next year will figure out that sort of running style and your read option style. And I, I think he will be exposed because I don't think he's a great passer of the ball. And I think that, you know, you've seen quarterbacks in the past that can run, have success. Kaepernick did it very well for a period of time. And, you know, Robert Griffin as well. Cam Newton has sustained it, but not to, you know, anywhere near the level that Jackson's done. But I just can't see Lamar Jackson being a quarterback that's going to be successful for the Ravens for three to five years. I think he might potentially have a good year next year, but I do think teams will figure it out and expose him a bit. It, it also horribly relies on the fact that they've got a good offensive line. Mm. As soon as you lose that offensive line and you say, right, these quarterback runs aren't really happy and we've got to throw the ball down the field, you know, that that's going to put a lot of pressure on him and, yeah, I, I I think the Ravens might, because Flacco's on his way out and they're really sort of hedging their wagon to him. So we'll see. But I, I think, you know, it's really turning around. I think the Ravens and Steelers are on the decline and I really think the Browns are on the up. So it's going to be very interesting next five years in the AFC North. Absolutely. And this is why this next uh, this next head coaching appointment is absolutely crucial. It's a, a tip. It with, I think, you know, we obviously have been in decline the past couple of years. We've made some disastrous appointments at both offensive coordinator and this year defensive coordinator and of course yeah. it's not only a head coach we have to find we have to find a defensive coordinator so quickly let's just have a I think can I just 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 before you go on to that I think you made a really good point about that you know you're talking about Mike Brown hiring coaches the organization going out there and picking guys you can't you look at the appointments recently sort of in the last three or four years you know your Bill Lazers your um, Ken Zampezi, your Terra Austins, even your Paul Gunther's. Paul Gunther would say probably just about gets the edge, but they've not been, you know, since the days of Zimmer and Jay Gruden and even Hugh Jackson, who was successful in the post. Mm. It does worry you a bit because the Bengals, you know, the, the, the Bill Lazor, when they went out and got him, I was so critical of that. If you looked at his resume, it didn't really match up, didn't really match up. And, you know, it does, it does fill me with worry. You know, based on the recent hires. Well, it's crucial because, uh, say that it feels like the 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 balance of power in the AFC North is shifting, and we don't want to be left behind, really. So, um, this is what's been happening. Uh, the Bengals have indeed. I mean, the big fear, of course, that they were just going to go straight to Hugh, right? And basically, yeah. anyone that has been on this team under Marvin for the past five, six years, people just don't want to know. So anyone yeah, yeah. who, as some people call tainted by the Marvin Lewis era, um, like Hugh, like Darren Simmons, like Bill Lazor, like um, uh, Vance Joseph, who's now available, people like, no, no, no. no they're almost, almost as uh, angry and bitter about that prospect as getting Marvin back for another year's coaching. And I think that's a bit wrong because, you know, you look at Vance Joseph, for instance, Look what he had to work with and who he had to work with in Denver, and he had a nightmare. But before yeah. that, he was one of the uh, most celebrated defensive coaches in the league. So you don't become yeah. a bad coach overnight. Um, 
you you he's very well liked at the Bengals as well very well liked he did a really good uh, job did a really very good job and the same with you now obviously I personally don't want you as a head coach but I don't think he's a bad coach at all I think he's a very good coach actually I think he's a very good coordinator Um, do I want him as head coach no because I don't think his record is great as a head coach Um, but Bill Lazor I think he has that kind of Steely, I, I think he's a bit sort of unemotional and detached, which is fine in some instances. But I think people want energy in this situation. They want a, a, a new broom sweeping through the corridors of PBS. I'm not sure Bill Lazor has the has the charisma to do that. Um, you know, he so. he, he just had, if you look at his resume, and I, I can't pull the stats up to now, but. When he was in Miami, he was poor as offensive coordinator. Oh, he, he, had a couple of, he had a good year. Um, he had a good year and a half. Then I, think he had, cliff. I think he had one sort of average year and then one year where he didn't do well and they got rid of him. And since he's come in, you know, I mean, I'm not sure how you really look at someone like that and say, right, yeah, that's our guy. You know, that, that resume that he's given us, he's the best option out there for us. But, you know, the Bengals seem to be happy with that. I don't think he's done a terrible job. I think no, you, you I look think at his, right. uh, you know, his, his excerpt of work this year. And he's really working with a backup offense, you mm. know, bar Joe Mixon, that team, you know, I don't think anyone, any coordinator, even a Sean McVay could have got anything more really out of this team. But I think putting him in the head coach, um, putting him in that discussion is, I, th- I think it's a, a real spit in the face of fans. Really, I think I'd, I'd maybe you have to do it out of obligation to the coaches on the team to give them that chance. Yeah, but I, don't... I think if he was given the job, people would, you know, lose their, completely lose their I don't know. Well, yes, I agree. I, I wouldn't personally. I think uh, being a head coach is very different to being an offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator or whatever coordinator. It's, all, it's more about leadership, setting the tone, uh, coming up with some innovative ideas to get the best out of your players, whereas you leave the coordinators to get on with with what they, they do, you know. So... Um, I'm not sure whether Laser, as I say, I mean, obviously I don't know the guy, so it's probably unfair of me to say this, but uh, it, to me, he doesn't look as though he's got the charisma to kind of do that leadership job. And, uh, you know, I hope he proves me wrong in some time of his career. And also Darren Sir- Simmons, who I went for a wee next to uh, in the Admiral Petit uh, <laughs> several years ago and uh, when they were over uh, in 2016. Uh, and he's a bit of a wild card as well. Um, I wa- he's obviously very well liked. He's been around the club for a long time. Um, not sure how that that would sit. He seems like a good, you know. He's always produced decent special teams, very consistently uh, across the years. Um, so you know, the, I think they have to kind of give these guys an opportunity to talk in an interview to see what their ideas are, and, and, and someone might just absolutely blow them away with what they they think the direction of the franchise should go in. You know. Um, and of course, there has to be that level of comfort with Mike. So you know, maybe Darren's got that. Maybe Darren's got that. Maybe he's the dark horse I, out I of the lot. I think with Darren Simmons, I and mean, we had a chat to him at the Admiralty, a really nice guy, like good ideas, you know, energetic, cool, like cool guy. But Darren Simmons, I have the same problem with Darren Simmons that I had with Ken Zampezi when they hired him as offensive coordinator. He was on the staff for such a long time. You know, I think Ken Zampezi was quarterback coach for like nearly 15 years or something outrageous like that. And my question always in that is, if you're good enough, if you're really, you know, got great ideas and you're assertive and you're confident and, you know, you're doing such a good job, 
it makes me question why you waited 15 years in the same role to progress. You know, and I'm not saying that's necessarily a taint on him, but to me, it, it, it's a bit of a problem. You look at Darren Simmons, he's been special teams coach. I've never heard of another NFL organization particularly interested in poaching him for a, True. You know, a more senior level role. And yeah, he, he has he has helped you know, out in an, on an assistant basis as well during that time. So he's got kind of yeah, more or less top level I just, experience, you know, but I, 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 I get what you say. Well, yeah, and I just I just think to me, you, you need someone who the players don't know, you know. You need a fresh guy to come in, even if it is advanced Joseph. You know, he's been away from the organisation for two or three years. A lot of the guys won't know who he is necessarily and won't, you know, have dealt with him on a personal level. But someone to come in and, you know, if you're a player, if you're Andrew Billings or you're someone like Hardy Nickerson, you know, this new guy walks in the door, if it's an Adam Gase, if it's a Josh McDaniels, if whoever it is, and you want to impress them. You want to get in front of them. You want to have an amazing training camp. You know, you want to really do a good job for them. Whereas you bring in a Darren Simmons or a Bill Lazor or, you know, a Hugh Jackson or whoever else, you, there's just too much of a level of comfort there. And I think for all the players saying, oh, we love Marvin, he's a great guy, oh, he's brilliant. Sometimes it's almost like having an easy teacher at school that lets you get away with a lot because yeah, yeah. you're a great guy, you know, you have a good chat with them, they're a nice bloke, but are they actually getting the best out of you? And I think the Bengals need to put themselves in an uncomfortable situation and take a punt on someone else who's going to come in and maybe hold them to higher standards, bring new ideas and, you know, sort of shape that, shape that sort of same old approach that's been going on there for 16 years. Well, um, again, I think Marvin probably did all that, but he did it in his way, right? And I think the point is we we need to have a change. And, and you know, the grass sometimes is not always greener and uh, we're hoping Absolutely. it is. Uh, but I think we have to give it a go, right? We have to have change, some new energy. Absolutely. And you look at the other guys that they, they've re- requested an interview with. The, the, they've gone straight to the Rams. Uh, Shane Waldron, the, the passing game. Of course, Sean McVay calls the plays. In uh, at the Rams, and he has two assistants: the Shane Waldron, the uh, the passing game coordinator, and Zach Taylor, the uh, the Rams quarterbacks coach. And of course, Taylor coached uh, at the University of Cincinnati, I think, a couple of years ago. So there is a kind of a tenuous link between Taylor and um, uh, the the city of Cincinnati. Um, and they're kind of quite. I don't think anybody expected them to go for someone so not necessarily left field, but someone who has that young, innovative energy that's part of a really vibrant program. It looks like in LA. So fair play to them. And then of course they go and have requested an interview with Josh McDaniels, um, which I not that surprised Im- me a lot. That did. Yeah, I think so. And it'd be interesting to know what the. The, who the kingmakers are in Cincinnati, you know what I mean? Who's the, the committee that's kind of saying, right, we yeah. want this guy? Because I, I wonder whether Duke Tobin's involved, whether his dad, who's uh, who's a respected scout and, and been with the organisation off and on for years and years and years. Um, Mike Brown and a couple of his kind of advisors, Troy and Katie. I wonder who's involved because that was quite sudden yesterday. I know they have to move relatively quickly, but... Uh, and, yeah, yeah. and then you look at, uh, you know, the couple of college guys but they seem to be, they seem to be going for guys who um who have nfl experience and have been in the nfl for a couple of years and i think the interesting one not saying that i want him particularly as head coach but because uh, i'm still a bit unsure about him is adam gase i think that's an interesting one um 
I think, I think he'd be great, but they haven't requested an interview with him, have they? Not, not that I've seen. Well, what do we know? About half six in the evening on on the first, and of course, it's what is it? That's uh, about half one in the afternoon in, in the states. So you know, things might happen quite quickly. But I think Gase is an interesting one. He he was, you know, I don't think he's got great personality. If you think Marvin's press conferences are boring, then you should check out some of the Adam Gase's ones in Miami. But to be fair, he. Again, he's one of those guys, isn't he? You know, he was a, a really well-regarded uh, offensive coordinator in, in Denver. Um, did a good job in Chicago, I think it was, didn't he? He went from Chicago. Did he go to Chicago after Denver, I think it was? Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then things went okay. And he was working in a similar environment to the Bengals where you've got a really tricky owner to work with. And, of course, all the baggage that... Stephen Ross, yeah. Yeah. The, all the all the baggage that comes with working at the Dolphins, you know what that name means, and you know they're a bit like the Raiders, aren't they? They go nuts every every year, and um, so he did a relatively good job. And he was, he's, I mean, I I've never liked particularly liked Tannehill as a quarterback, um, so he's saddled with Tannehill. Very below average, sort of maybe even slightly worse than Dalton's sort oh, of definitely. quarterback. I, I think it's that much 16 worse than to twenty Dalton. range at best. Yeah, so. But that doesn't make him a bad coach overnight, and um, no. So I think Adam Gase will be an interesting one to watch. So, but who knows? It's going to be a, a couple of weeks of insanity, really. I think because uh, we've never not been in this position before. We don't know what to expect. I don't think the Bengals know what you know what to expect. I like the fact that they're doing their due diligence. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I think the other name to watch potentially is Jay Gruden. If that, if he, I mean, I don't think he's been assured of his position in Washington yet. I think Dan Schneider's having a meeting, sort of see if he's going to be staying there. But I think if he became available, I think the Bengals would be sniffing at him. I think they quite like the job he did here um, with Andy Dalton, and he was instrumental really in that season we discussed earlier when you know um, they sort of got um, they got Dalton and. Um, turned it around really quickly after the sort of Carson Palmer thing. So I think he'd be a name to watch if he became available. I was sort of secretly hoping Mike Zimmer might get fired by the Vikings. <laughs> I, a lot a lot of of were, I think yeah. I think he he would have been fantastic to sort of come back and, you know, really sort of kick kick some life into the team. I know he's really well respected. He he knows Mike Brown, which I think I think to be honest with you, as much as it's not something we want, you know, just someone from within the organisation. I think it does help. I think having an understanding of what you'd be working with before you, you know, before you took the job would really be sort of a, a beneficial thing um, when interviewing for the job. So I think he would have been great. But I'd be happy with Vance Joseph. I think he, you know... Well, as head coach be or... Because I, I, yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't be... As a coordinator, I'd be delighted. Mm. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I'm not but sure... I, if he was head coach, I would also take that. I think if you're going to get one of these, uh, and this is why Sean McVay, I think, works really well in the Rams. Uh, at the Rams, if you're going to get one of these young, energetic, uh, offensive-minded uh, head coaches, you absolutely better make sure that there's a decent DC in place. And I think Vance would be a decent DC, I have to say. But um, yeah, we, the one thing, the, on. the one, the one thing I was going to say just quickly is, you know, looking at those, I mean, the guys that they're interviewing for the Rams, sort of young guys that sort of, you know, from that Sean McVay tree, I, I honestly don't know anything about them, so I can't sit there and say any neg- anything neg- negative about them. But 
to me, it's a bit of a risky strategy. You know, Sean McVay is a great coach. He's done a really good job in LA. But I don't think you can just sort of say that anyone that's been working with him for a year in the vicinity of him automatically makes them sort of some sort of maestro as well. And mm. I think you've got to be a little bit careful there. Because, I mean, I know that the, one of the guys is like 35 or something, and he, he's got pretty limited experience outside of that. I think to sort of elevate someone, you know, just off the back of, you know, this sort of crazy hype around Sean McVay is a very dangerous strategy to just you know, immediately put someone on a pedestal. I mean, I know you want to take a risk and I think, you know, hiring someone like that from the Rams probably would invigorate the fan base and, you know, you'd have new ideas and you'd bring something new to the table, but very risky strategy, you know, based on very, very limited pool of, of work. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, you pay some money, you take your chances, don't you? So let's see what they yeah. do. Uh, we could go on all night about this, but we're not. Um, uh Nathan's got to go out to. Uh, I think he's got a pair of lederhosen to put on, put on in a few minutes, and him and Rosie are going to go down to some uh, alehausen to drink beer und zwei beer bitte. Um, yes, uh, but we've got a couple of questions that uh, are not necessarily kind of everything's related. So uh, we do thank you for all your uh, correspondence. Richard Dixon at Lord Rixendale. Happy New Year, Rich. Uh, I would like to give Solid you. Handle. I would like to give you guys an interesting question, but I have a hangover of unbelievable proportions. Drinking ouzo and sambuca <laughs> is not recommended, boys and girls. You heard it there first. There you go. Duncan Yeadon at Slam Dunk the Funk. Happy New Year, Duncan. Uh, shout out to our main man Joe Mixon for an outstanding season. Thanks, Marvin. Uh, thanks to Marvin for all his efforts. Guess I'd like to see next year are. AJ Green, Chad Johnson, uh, and Tyler Eifert. Well, uh, we'll see. <laughs> Not setting the bar too high there, Duncan, I don't think. Um, we'll see what we can do. We had some uh, put on a, a little video uh, on Twitter and Facebook just to kind of shout and blow our own trumpets a little bit. We've had a really good 2018 uh, in terms of Bengals UK as a group. We had some obviously fantastic guests on the podcast uh we did we staged three meetups across the uk uh kind of followers on both platforms have sort of exponentially uh increased over the year um so yeah pretty amazing and uh yeah we'd like to continue that obviously with some great guests and there's some stuff in the pipeline which i think you'll be very pleased about um memphis soul stew happy new year to all looking forward to another fan meetup uh would love it if we were an away team this year i.e the london game um now this is interesting uh i uh, tweeted dan horde yesterday to thank him for everything that him and dave uh dave lapham does or has done over the past year and he said uh, well, who knows? It might be over for the Raiders game. And it's like, kind of, oh, does he know something that we don't? And, of course, the Raiders don't have a home next year. And they seem to be sort of, you know, it's touted that they might even play all their games in London next year, which is, would be ridiculous, frankly. But um, who knows? We may get a game next year in London. And I'm sure every team has been pouring over. Every fan of every team in the UK has been pouring over the schedules. But I, I, I don't know. What do you think, Nathan? 50-50, I reckon. I think there's a good chance. I don't think the Ravens will play their whole season in London. I think at too short a notice, it would be a logistical nightmare for everyone to um, put into uh, put into play. Um, 
but yeah, I think it's been a while, and I I think 50-50. I think there's a really strong chance that we could get one. It would be amazing. Uh, Jamie at Trek White Beaster, Happy New Year to you all, or y'all. What are your thoughts on Oakland potentially playing? Well, I think we've just been through that. Is Marvin going to fill his spare time to be a third wheel on the podcast? Well, we've already got, uh, we've already been in touch with his agents. Um, what was the most exotic thing you drank over Christmas? Well, I was booze free over Christmas and New Year. I'm, I'm sorry to report. Uh, his was Koku Kanu Coconut Rum. Try saying that after a few. Um, which is a cross between a bounty bar and antifreeze. So uh, I can see the benefits and the uh, the non-benefits of that one. Uh, what, what have you been drinking over Christmas, Nathan? You've been Prosecco-ing and... Mate, I had, I had the best Go cocktail on. of my life ever Ooh. in this cocktail bar in Burno in the Czech Republic. You filthy it was animal. gin. Yes. Gin. Tonic. Gin and tonic. That is amazing. Right. No <laughs> <laughs> Gin with some sort of honey, yeah. black pepper, what? Ouzo, what? and some sort of orange thing in it. And orange it was, thing? Oh, what? and egg whites. Egg whites on top. Egg whites on top. And it was literally the most beautiful thing I've ever tasted. I had a couple of them. They were absolutely unbelievable. I can't recommend it enough. Well, that, I think that cocks uh, Coco Kanu into a hat. I think we'll have a bit of that. Um, <laughs> Mate, it was delicious. What was it called? Can you remember? I don't know. I've got a picture of it on my phone that I'll tweet out, but it was absolutely unbelievable. I'll tell you what. Very exciting for all our followers, I'm sure. Um, Dave Cass at Come On Didier. <laughs> Just to say. Solid handle. <laughs> Just to say, we all appreciate your hard work for the Bengals' cause. It's been well, it's been fun, and it's a pleasure, Dave. And uh, I think not to be too corny uh, about it. It's like it all makes it worthwhile when there's people like you tweeting at us and and kind of interacting and helping everybody to come together as Bengals fans. Um, It'd be a good time now to drop that um, all the Bengals UK supporters are going to be paying you and I a salary for next season. So we might drop that on them now after that uh, positive comment from Yeah, from I might. I might uh, well, I was going to leave that till next <laughs> week. I was just going to ease them into that uh, concept, Nathan. All right, we'll, we'll cut that bit out then. <laughs> uh, okay, and again, Jamie's tweet again. I think he's high on life at the moment or high on the old Coco Kanu. Uh, here's to a brilliant 2019. Shout out to my UK Bengals people. Bright days are ahead. Till then... Let's try to have a great time. Love you all. And what a lovely sentiment I think we're going to end this podcast on. Um, We have been rattling on about Marvin uh, this time uh, because uh, I think he deserves respect and deserves to be celebrated and his achievements to be put into perspective. Um, So uh, kind of normalish service will be resumed uh, soon. Uh, We're looking to do some podcasts leading up to the Super Bowl. One very special one in in a couple of weeks' time, and uh, yeah. But in the meantime, just keep tweeting at us. Keep uh, keep you know. There's obviously going to be a lot of news, a lot of speculation, and it's all exciting stuff, isn't it, Nathan? It's very exciting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, we'll probably be going down to one every couple of weeks now, but we'll, I'm sure there'll be a lot of news coming up with the Marvin stuff. We're well, not with the Marvin stuff anymore, but with the uh, new head coach, and you know, with the new head coach, I think it'll be quite an exciting off-season with a draft and with bits and pieces. So, you know, stay tuned. Absolutely. Keep that dial locked on Cincinnati. Exactly. Uh, And (laughs) it only remains for me to say it's a who day from me. And 
Thank you very much, Marvin, and a who day from me. Indeed, and a very happy new year to everyone out there. We'll speak to you soon. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.